News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Now, Ireland is on target to eliminate cervical cancer by 2040. That is according to the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, who joins us now. Minister, good morning to you. Um, tell us a little bit about how we're going to achieve this. Morning, Kira. Morning, Shane. Yeah, we're doing something a little bit special today. So today we're announcing a date of 2040 for the elimination of cervical cancer. It comes on the back of a huge amount of work by an awful lot of people, patient advocates, um, people, extraordinary people like uh, Laura Brennan uh, and many others, many healthcare professionals over, over many years. And the World Health Organization has set three targets. Now, Ireland is already exceeding uh, two of those targets. So that's percentage of women screened and percentage of um, uh, people who are treated for the disease. And then the third one, which is vaccinations, we're making good progress. The, the WHO figure is 90% of girls vaccinated uh, by 15. We're at 80% um, and, and doing well. And so we're one of a handful of countries now that is setting a date uh, of around 2040 um, to do this. So it's, it, it's a really positive date, given particularly everything that has happened in Ireland with cervical cancer. And we're, we're, all, very, we're all very aware of that. Um, in, in very good news, there's, there's new research uh, that's just out uh, that's looking at young women and the, the, the prevalence of precancerous changes um, for women aged 25. And there's new research just out that shows that the rate has more than halved in just a few years. So it's gone from 3.7% to 1.5%. And is that, and is, really is be- that a, 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 I suppose, a manifestation of the vaccination programme? Yeah, it is. So Ireland's in a, we're in a very strong position. We obviously, we have a good vaccine programme. Uh, we have a vaccine programme for both boys and girls. We have the Laura Brennan catch-up programme. We've HPV screening, which is more accurate than the previous screening. And then something that m- most of us don't know, in fact, is we're also, in terms of the HPV vaccines, we're one of a, one of a small number of countries around the world who has access to the most effective HPV vaccine. So the one that we use protects against nine out of 10 types of the HPV that cause uh, cervical cancer. And we've also now moved to a single dose vaccine as well. So all, all really, really positive. And, and that is positive because a number of years ago, the HPV vaccine update uptake rather here in this country is about 50% due to quite a concerted misinformation campaign that, that, that existed out there about the dangers of the vaccine that were, were utterly unfounded. That's right, yeah. We, there was kind of a, a victory for the flat earthers uh, at some stage a few years back and the, there, was, there was an awful lot of misinformation put out about the vaccines. The rates fell. Unfortunately, that's linked to more women getting cervical cancer and, and, and dying from cervical cancer. Uh, Laura Brennan, there were many people involved in in getting those rates back up. But Laura Brennan, I think, really stands out for me. And, and indeed, her family, I've had the great pleasure of meeting, meeting her family who advocated for the catch-up programme. So that's available for all women up to the age of 25, all men up to the age of 20. And I guess what our healthcare professionals are saying today, we're, we're, we're using today really to raise some awareness as well as to set this, this target, is to, is to encourage parents, uh, and I'm, I'm one of those parents, is to encourage parents to get their sons and their daughters vaccinated yeah. 
um, with, with the HPV It's vaccine. kind of the, the holy grail of health. You know, we people say a cure for cancer. If we can actually eliminate cancer, and it isn't just cervical cancer, it's head and neck cancers and other cancers as well. So if we can, if we can actually do this, the idea that some people wouldn't take up that is, is a kind of a shocking thing. But, but moving on a little bit, and I think that is a good news story, and I think everyone should be rightly pleased. And you mentioned Laura Brennan, and I would have known Laura quite well. And I think you're exactly right. I think she did incredible work for, for the women of Ireland. But moving on, the, the Irish Nurses and Midwife Organisation Minister, they are saying that they're considering an industrial action at this stage because there's over 600 patients uh, uh, on trolleys currently. Um, what's being done? There's a lot being done. I, I, I have to say I'm puzzled as to how industrial action from our frontline workers would, would help in terms of the, the number of patients on trolleys. But there's, a, there's an awful lot of things being done. You'll have seen recently I've worked with the, the HSE to, to accelerate discharge for patients who are clinically ready to leave hospital. One of, one of the issues we have found is that in, in some hospitals, uh, patients who are clinically ready to go, they've been discharged and there is a clinically appropriate um, bed for them somewhere, um, are not necessarily uh, always moving on. Um, no, and, this, this, and there's and been a lot of... an eight-year-old on a trolley in a corridor yes. who needs that bed. But so we've had geriatricians within the health service like accuse, accuse the health service of ageism, this idea that, that if the bed in the nursing home you want isn't available, that you should now move to a different nursing home and wait there rather than an acute bed. Um, there has been accusations of ageism levelled against that, uh, that plan, that winter plan by the HSE. Yeah, it was a pretty extraordinary claim. I, I, I have to say, I mean, first of all, the, the, the measure is not age dependent. It's for anybody. It doesn't, doesn't matter what age they are. They could be young, middle-aged or, or elderly. If, if there is an 80-year-old in a, in, on a corridor in the, you know, in the hospital on a trolley who needs the bed, and if a patient has been discharged and if there's a clinically appropriate place for them to go, well, then the reality is the 80-year-old on the corridor needs that bed. Um, and that's just how it is. And I, I didn't hear any defence from the same uh, clinicians for the elderly person in the corridor downstairs in the hospital who uh, who, who needs the bed. I think it's, yeah. I think it was I think it was a quite a I was acute, I have acute to say, I was beds quite, need, quite to, be, need to, to be held for acute illness. I, I, I think that exactly. that, that, that is exactly. foolish to think otherwise. Um, a few other things, Minister, including uh, earlier on in the program, I spoke to Amy Hanley, a, a mother who was marching to Leinster House today because of a lack of services available for her daughter who has anorexia and, and has actually been in hospital for most of the past year, critically ill. Um, she is she is marching to protest about long, long waiting list in CAMS and a lack of specialist services. And there's nothing in that that I can argue with. There, there is a genuine dearth of, of, of available services for, for teenagers in that um, position. What is being done about this? Well, first of all, can I say what her daughter experienced and what she experienced uh, as a parent? It's just not acceptable. My understanding is that her daughter waited 18 months just for a diagnosis. Yeah. That's not acceptable. Uh, and so the, the waiting lists are That's are, how long it took her to long. see CAMS. That, that was how long it, it took her to get into the yeah. service. And it's simply not acceptable. The, the National Clinical Programme on Eating Disorders, the latest information I have is they assess uh, just over half the patients within four weeks and over three quarters of the patients within eight weeks, um, but anybody waiting for 18 months, that's, that's completely unacceptable. The CAMS lists then after diagnosis, uh, they are too long, but they are falling. Um, they've been falling through the summer. Uh, I had a meeting with the, the senior HSE team on it just last week. They've continued to fall over the last 
uh, few months, partly because Mary Butler, Minister Butler, who has responsibility for this, has really taken a leading role and she, she has set up 10 new eating disorder teams, uh, five for adults, five for uh, children and, uh, and young people. In the budget, we have sanctioned additional consultants uh, to support eating disorders. And whilst we do need the inpatient services, of course we do, there's actually v- relatively few need them. So only 11 or 12 young people per year over the last few years have been admitted to inpatient services. Which is a so good thing that we don't need them, but, the community but, but, services, but yeah. there is very limited access to specialised treatment for, for, for people with eating disorders in this country. We, we are very, very behind on that. There is, uh, and thankfully, it's it's the the inpatient services are needed for very very few. But when they are needed, they must be available. Um, and and what we have to have is we have to have the community based services. We know uh, we all the research shows that the community based interventions are the place to go. We need to keep people out of hospitals, uh, except as except as a last resort. And then the other thing we we all need to be aware of uh, as as parents. And I did, what I'm about to say has no bearing on the case that you're talking about at all. I want to be very, very clear. We all need to be very aware as parents uh, and in government about the role of prevention. I'm seeing more and more and more research from the EU, from the US Surgeon General, from around the world saying early exposure to smartphones um, is causing huge uh, damage, including in terms of uh, eating disorders. Yeah, those those algorithms on on TikTok are, are, are a massive issue for young people. Oh, listen, there was an Amnesty International report out, I think, just in the last two or three weeks. And for any parent, it is it, yeah. it would turn, it was out turn last your week. blood and, cold. And, and, and it was it last week. Frightening. Showing that these young people, they are being targeted with uh, content, very sophisticated content, glamorising. Something needs to be done about that too, Minister. Years. Something needs yeah. to be done about that as well. Well, we are. And, and, and I was very happy to see Minister Norma Foley uh, bring in this facilitation now for the, the voluntary codes in, in primary schools. Yeah. I'd love to see it extended, obviously, to Minister. from a mental health perspective. I'd like to see it, see, it, uh, see it go further. Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, thank you very much for speaking to News Talk Breakfast. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.